We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk about the flip side of Anthony Davis's return, which is how it affects everybody else's role within the team. I'd love to start with Andre Drummond. I could go in so many directions with him, but he reminds me so much of he's this combination of Bynum and Lamar and Kwame <laughs> in, uh, in both good and maddening aspects of his game. Um, Lamar, I remember the old, it's funny, Lakers Twitter has been a, you know, a, a topic the last couple of days. I, I go back to the old forum days, right? The, uh, LakersGround.net, Club Lakers, all those spots. Lamar Odom was an ongoing war. The topic of Lamar Odom, you had his fervent stands and people who couldn't stand him because he would give you 25 and 13 and 7 one night and then like 4 and 6 and 2 the next night. And anyway, Drummond's got some of that element to him, but his role's about to change quite a bit, Darius, with Anthony Davis coming back. I'm curious your thoughts on, on what that looks like. I'm just as interested and I wish I had like a bunch of answers here about even projecting things out. Um, well, what, what are you looking for though? I'm I, defensively. I'm looking at a lot of the, the sort of tag team stuff that good big man pairings are able to execute in the NBA and how much of a positive difference that can make. And then potentially how breakdowns can be tricky when one guy doesn't end 
hold up his end of the bargain with that. Some of the stuff we saw earlier during this season, for example, in the Trez and AD pairing on Nisley, where um, Trez's sort of defensive weaknesses, right? And, and he has some that were showing up as a help defender next to AD while AD was spaced so far out against shooting fours, especially. And I'll be very interested to see the communication between the two bigs, how interchangeable they are, and what asks are made of Drummond versus the asks that are made of Anthony Davis, right? Because I thought earlier during the season, the asks on AD were so high, and the asks on the second big man that he was playing against were way lower within the context of their respective roles. And when, and everything was new, right? Brand new team, like two or three different starters out there for the Lakers now. And so things were a little bit trickier for them. And I, and I honestly don't think they got a lot of time on the fly to sort of um, build that cohesiveness before guys started to get injured. That said, defensively, I'm like, look, man, like, are you passing guys off appropriately? Are, 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 are you swapping out defensive matchups at the time that it makes the most sense? Um, how can Drummond help AD some just as how, how much will AD have to help Drummond? And there's a give and take there with really good big man pairings that I think we saw when you talked about Bynum, for example. We saw that between Powell and Bynum that they were really able to sort of help lift each other up to make that sort of Twin Towers idea really flourish. Um, can this group be the same? Is is there something specific that that you're looking for when it's these guys? Is, is it more offense? Is it more defense or like 50-50? For me, it's the defensive interchangeability that you were talking about earlier. Drummond's interesting in that he's such a mammoth figure, but he doesn't always use his physicality. He doesn't like power through contact on offense, but I think he uses his physicality more on the offensive end than he does on the defensive end. I actually think his best defensive attributes are on the perimeter, the way that he can jump that passing lane. Uh, he's really been good at, at showing high on his ball screens, I thought, um, and, and not as good in his drop coverages. And so when he's showing high on those ball screens, that's our more aggressive defense where we're trapping, we're forcing turnovers. And in that overall concept of great athletes getting up and down the court and wreaking havoc, so much of the floor defensively, like think of a free safety in football or a center fielder in baseball where there's some center fielders like Griffey or Andrew Jones, or if we're going to keep up the old school baseball player theme, uh, Andrew Jones would just cover so much distance. Mookie Betts, right? Mookie Betts does this all the time for the Dodgers. That when you've got guys with that much defensive range, LeBron, AD, we know that about them, but Drummond's got defensive range. He covers territory. And so I think he plays really into that wreaking havoc type of defense. And I think he, that combination will be better the more aggressive we are. I think that the more passive we are, the more we're back in drop coverage, waiting for the action to come to us, the more likely we would be to make mistakes. Mike, I'm, I'm curious, your perspective, like their fit on the offensive end. Drummond has been a guy that 
in the absence of shot creation, there's been a lot of possessions where he's got it in the last five seconds, or we begin the possession with a post-entry pass. He makes that nice little skip pass across the court. Um, But that's going to change probably with the addition of AD. How does he, like, what does he turn into on the offensive end with the inclusion of AD in the lineup? Yeah, I think it has to be rather harsh in the way that it's described. Like, AD or LeBron, whichever one of them is on the floor there, and if it's one or if it's both, should always have the ball over Drummond in those kind of situations. And I say always, of course, not literally. There are some possessions where um, Drummond or anybody else in the court, but if you can choose, right, if you can decide, and typically you can, the players in the court can decide who's going to initiate the action, then it, it should be more LeBron or AD. And that's not to say, Pete, that – Sure, you can run some sets for him where he's making that skip pass, and he can initiate some. And if he does it for sure. eight years, that's great. But, but I just think that it's got a, that hierarchy has to be a little bit more clearly defined as it's LeBron and AD up here, and then Drummond is is with the rest of the group. It's not that Drummond isn't the third star. You know, Drummond isn't the guy that that is that is kind of the like the superhero aspect of the team, and then you have all of the other supporting players. And I think that he that's where he fits more into what some combination of JaVale and Dwight Howard, because he does have some skills um, that each of them have, although really not, not a ton, honestly, in common with JaVale, um, but probably a, a few more with Dwight. And so that's where I would see him much more slotting in as a support player to those two. And that's like he talked in his original presser, which was to come in to play defense, to offensive rebound, to sprint the floor, you know, to get up and down and trap guys, like trap guards, like all of those things. I think is what I would love to see and not some reliance on or need for a certain amount of post touches and that. And I think that if he does that, then he can play more minutes. And I think that if not, then you just have to go to more of the lineups with either AD at the five or you get Gasol in there in certain matchups or you get Markeith Morris some more action. Like he's played well enough that I don't want to see Markeith's minutes cut that much, Hundred percent, you know? And, and in fact, like if right now, the way that they're playing, uh, I don't think it's that close, particularly between Keefe and Trez um, as to who's given you better minutes. Now, oh, Trez, is, yeah, Trez is the backup five, right, in the way that they're running things. And in a certain series, like I, I guess that's OK, but Trez is really struggling right now against teams that have an extra big, especially. Um, and then just in general, he's been struggling and that's not all on him either. Uh, but it's just been part of what we're seeing. So. Darius, where do you want to take that one with all of, with kind of the big situation and with Drummond versus the whole LeBron AD thing? Actually, if I if I could set you up because I have a specific question for you on this, D, yeah. is uh, obviously Drummond will be off ball more, and Mike was just talking about the the necessity for that. Uh, that's going to be the first option in a general sense, right? Certain possessions Drummond will be able to initiate, but obviously Plan A is Anthony Davis. How does that look? Because He's not a guy we've seen him flub lobs, yep. miss several dunks. He's an awkward finisher around the rim. Some of the best things about him so far has been the fact that he can shot create, been the fact that he can hit KCP on a on a laser across the court for an open three, that he can be a guy that you can at least give the ball to and run some offense around. And so I would argue some of the best attributes are that we've seen from him are going away and likely to be replaced in a higher frequency of things that have not been his best attributes so far. Yeah. And 
I'm glad that you framed it that way because that was where I was going to take it from Mike. So I feel like we're all on the same page here. Drummond, I think, is going to go predominantly from a strong side player to a weak side player. We often talk about this within the context of ball handlers. And if you guys have been listening to the pod for a long time, you'll you'll remember a lot of these discussions that we had around Brandon Ingram, for example. And then to a certain mm-hmm. extent yep. this year with THT, we lobbied for the idea that it was going to be much easier for these guys if they got moved to the weak side because the defensive attention was on them less. And then when the ball got to them, they could be attacking in a way that allowed them space. The argument that you just made for Drummond and what his strengths and weaknesses have been has been the opposite. Drummond has shown that he is much more comfortable operating as a strong side player, and that makes sense because he's basically been asked to do this his entire career. His pedigree is that of someone who has been a number one or number two option his entire life. Just to clarify, if if you're not following along, strong side is the side of the court that the ball is on, and the weak side is the side of the court that it's not. Exactly. And so the Lakers centers, when LeBron and AD have been on the court together, but even when they are by themselves, the second big man, if there is one that's in the game, is often located in the weak side dunker spot, right? Right. And so other side of the basket, that guy is on the other side of the basket, typically anywhere from four to eight to 10 feet away, sort of lurking. And that guy is lurking in order to set a weak side pin screen. He is lurking for a duck in. He is lurking for a potential lob threat over the top. And he is lurking for offensive rebounding position. Now, it's called the dunker spot because it's one step in, you throw your arms in there. It's like the perfect spot to stand in if you want to get a dunk. When somebody drives to the basket, the help defender has to come over to help. You're right there for that lob. That's exactly right. And, and, And so the thing is, is that Drummond has not shown a proclivity to be effective from in in finishing those types of plays in this short time with the Lakers. The question I have to you, Pete, because it seems like, oh, well, this is sort of square peg round hole a little bit, right? When it comes to what Drummond has shown, how much do you think any of that improves with the type of defensive attention that LeBron and AD typically draw versus the attention that Drummond still draws now without those guys here and how much the the latter has, has been impacting his effectiveness. I think it depends on what aspect of the game that you're talking about in terms of catching lobs and dunking and finishing. That's going to be a problem with him. That's part of his game. He's going to miss dunks. He's going to mishandle catches in midair. That's part of the player that he is. Uh, now, there will be more like wide open dunks. That's the thing that I, it's easy for us to sit on our couches at home and be like, ah, you should have caught that. You see that in person at floor level and the windows that they're actually operating in and the angles and the speed that they're catching these at, like it's a little more understandable, but he's below average at that for a big, especially a, a big of his size. That said, he's going to be an absolute terror on the offensive boards. Being on the weak side means that if you're, If you're the defensive player, let's put ourselves in the defender's shoes now. You're defending Andre Drummond. 
Now you've got one foot in the paint. You ever see those defenders where they're like toe tapping and they don't want to get that defensive three second call, but they want to be as close to Anthony Davis, who has the ball, right? So that if Anthony Davis drop steps or makes some move, gets by, they're, they're the first help defender. They're the first one in the position to help. Then if they get there, that leaves the person in the dunker spot, Drummond open. Maybe the defense dives down from the wing, but that's the matchup that happens right there in that exact scenario. Anthony Davis has beaten the primary defender. The big rotates over to help. Now, if that shot goes up, even if AD misses, that's a Kobe assist because the, the fragment of the game that's happening there is the defensive wing dropping down at a moment's notice, by the way, because if they leave too much, AD is going to make that skip pass to the three-point shooter on the other side, right? So this is all happening very fast. That defensive wing is dropping down at a moment's notice to try to keep Andre Drummond off of the offensive boards. And that dynamic where somebody else is drawing a ton of attention, we haven't seen Drummond in that context yet. And then there's going to be another guy that fits that description where Drummond, like that's the thing that's been the biggest impression that Drummond has made for me, Mike, is it's not stats or even a... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Particular skill set, and you you talked about this uh, when we when we signed him. He's so big, like he is such a big person to that moves at that size, uh, that that well at that size, that he almost always draws the attention of a second person on his own, right? Like when when he has the ball, and we talk about this so much of like. AD or LeBron have the ball, but the reverse is going to be true too. And I just, that's what I'm most excited about seeing uh, AD squared, I suppose, in, in this dynamic is how they look together. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get your thoughts on that. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. 
And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So yeah, man, we got big dudes that that draw a lot of attention, and we're getting a second one to put alongside Andre Drummond. How does that impact the game? I think it was Matt Barnes I heard the other day talking on the jump about the, one of the keys when Drummond comes back. And he said, in short, that the other team has to tag him when he's when he's rolling to the rim in screen roll action. And and he because if you don't, it's just different from a, a, a certain other kind of player and that attention that he's going to take. And this is assuming, you know, that LeBron and AD are back. So that that element that he has, because everything that you guys just said is true right? about some of what his weaknesses are. We've seen those play out. But I think that if anybody's going to figure out how to maximize what his value is in this specific group, it's LeBron. And so it's less AD for me that I'm thinking about when he comes back. Uh, like, I think that's going to be great in terms of defense and just how how much space that the two of them can cover. And the fact that that being so big yet they're both so agile i don't think there's another nba team that's going to be able to put out a four or five even close to that in terms of length and then add lebron into that it's a whole nother level but on the offensive end i don't know exactly how that works with ad and with Drummond. i think it's going to take some time it might be a little bit messy at first but i'm the lebron element is to me where things start to make more sense and lebron because if lebron points and tells you where to go and then you then you go and you do it and he's going to be able to see that and then he's going to get in the film room after the game and is going to explain that concept even further i would argue that this is somewhat of an opportunity for ad we've talked about him being the guy in charge right like where lebron has stepped back in leadership positions this is the one stretch of the season where lebron is not on the court but ad is and so he's going to have all these minutes as the guy that's moving the chess pieces around in a a way that doesn't exist when LeBron is around, Darius. Yes, and Mike, when you were talking about LeBron, one of the things, one of the things that we have not had to like watch in a really long time because the Lakers have typically only been playing one traditional big at the same time is compromise spacing, right? And so AD went down, and Marcus All took on a much bigger role. And then Mark was out with COVID and it was basically just Harold and Damian Jones and those guys never played together. And then the Lakers got Drummond and Drummond and Harold have never played together. And basically Keith has been a mainstay of of the lineup at power forward. And when Keith hasn't been playing power forward, it's basically been coups, right? Um in this stretch when LeBron has, has been out. We're about to go back to the type of lineups that we really haven't seen since the very first part of the season when LeBron mm. and AD and Trez were all healthy at the same time and playing mm-hmm. together. And this is going to mirror some of the 
lineups that we saw last season, the starting lineup, for example, when it was Braun and JaVale and, and AD, but also some of those key lineups that the Lakers threw out there for um, against big teams where Dwight would play a fair amount with, with AD and LeBron. Like the Denver series is a great example of that. The spacing, there are spacing principles here that the Lakers have sort of those are way in the past for them. And when Mike talks about the idea of like, hey, it could be a little funky for a little while, that's one area where I think there's going to need to be a very rapid progression with these guys on how to learn to play with compromised spacing that two bigs bring. Because Pete, think think back to last season. One of the things that we had that was an ongoing theme of last year's team. And I think this was especially true against the Bucks, and it was true against the Clippers in that those teams, the, the Clippers would switch the LeBron AD pick and roll a fair amount when there was a third big on the floor because that guy could just hang out around the basket, right? So it would be like a Zubats and he would just be sitting there Right. And the Bucks, they played such a traditional drop that there was almost always a big man in the paint. And it didn't matter if A.D. and LeBron were running this great pick and roll against the Bucks because JaVale or Dwight, JaVale still or Dwight was just yeah. hanging out yeah. in the weak side dunker spot. And there's Brooke Lopez just lurking. Right. And the Lakers are going to see much more of that this season. And it's something that they really haven't gotten a lot of reps at this year now they got a lot of reps at that last year but that was a whole different team right with our boy danny green out there and a bunch of other guys who are no longer here and 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 so i think of a guy like schroeder like imagine a lineup like this kcp schroeder drummond ad and lebron that's the projected starting lineup there schroeder is not a shooter andre drummond is not a shooter Teams are going to make Anthony Davis prove that he's going to hit the three at a fairly high level. And they're going to pack the paint against LeBron. And we're going to get back to some of that like, oh, damn, like we need to figure this out a little bit. And so, Mike, when you're talking about like the offense could be clunky a little bit, this is sort of where I see that going more. It's it's not that all of these guys aren't talented. It's not all of them can't help. It's just that we can't just envision this as, oh, well, these are these guys' strengths and we can plug plug them in and look, LeBron's at the post and here's, a, and here's Andre Drummond with a duck in and he's getting a nice simple bounce pass for a wide open dunk. Like, yeah, that might be one possession out of 10, right? But the other nine, it's like, like the Lakers are going to need to figure some some of this stuff out. And there's not a lot of time to actually do it. Yeah, of course you're right. And this this feels like the constant right back and forth that we have here. Of course you're right. And here's where I do the but. That is a monster yeah. defensive lineup. Shooter, KCP, yep. I was gonna, yeah. LeBron, AD, Drummond. They're going to get stops and then they're going to fly. Disruptive. Up and down the court. I, and I, I think the key word here, too, is that they have the potential to be really disruptive defensively and create transition chances yeah. that aren't just off of missed shots. And that's the pre- this is the pressure defense that Pete's talking about, where dr- it's like, wait, you're let's say you're Damian Lillard. Wait, Drummond and AD are up on this screen? Like, this sucks. 
<laughs> that that's just that's not that sucks to play against and then they're getting so our yes it's not the most it's not the pretty like the golden state half court offense where you've got clay spaced out on one side you've got kd on the other you got draymond sending a screen for steph curry and you've got somebody else in the corner you know that's that's possibly going to hit a three like it's it's not that but it doesn't need to be it didn't have to be in the playoffs last year it just doesn't because that's not the best way the lakers play and if for some reason that you need something like that to happen, like, okay, sit Drummond, bring in Kuz, uh, bring in Wesley Matthews, and you're fine. Then you've got, you've got more spacing, you've got more room to work with. You know, you've got plenty. Bring in Keefe. you got so many options. Bring in Caruso, who's shooting the three better. And, and Darius, I would argue, Shooter's shooting the three Lately. a little better. Yes, yes. You know, he's not... He's not a non-shooter. I mean, in he's he's 42% in April um, to this point. In a pretty decent sample size, he's shooting about four a game. You know, in March, he was 36% on three and a half per game. So he's not great, but he's like, he's at least Rondo level, where if you just leave him out there, and because guess what? If Shooter's shooting a three, he's wide effing open because teams are so scared of the blow-by. And that's going to keep his percentage high enough to be tolerable, so... I, I know I kind of just took your point, which was a good one, and, and did a zoom out, but that's where I see things playing out. This team is built around the concept of speed in a lot of senses, right? That lineup that you listed, Darius, of Dennis, KCP, LeBron, AD, Drummond, just think of them individually, respective to their positions. Dennis Schroeder is one of the fastest ones in the league. KCP is one of the fastest twos. Like, that's, that's what they're great at. We've seen Drummond move around in ways on the perimeter where it's like, wow, that like the way he's jumped passing lanes and got up court. Like there are plays where Andre Drummond fairly frequently is the first or second player up court. You contrast that to like Marcus Gasol as a totally different type of player. Like that idea of getting up the court first, it's so simple, right? And we, we talk so much about the theory of basketball, but I think we can get lost into in, in it, right? And kind of overlook some very obvious yeah. things in the first place. We've got a lot of guys who can get up the court. For, we talked earlier about the defensive coverage of our bigs. Dennis Schroeder closes out to the three-point line as fast as any player I can remember on the Lakers. KCP is speed, right? Like that's what is good about these guys. And so that ability to be overwhelming in that respect and cover so much distance in such short periods of time, like our half court offense is going to be the weakest yeah. part of our team almost by design because we've chosen this path that that we have i just don't i'm with mike in that it's not really going to matter and in in most instances and if somebody can neutralize that we've got other options to go to to play that different style of ball to be able to beat them anyway all of that is totally fair and and i think that this goes back to discussions that we've had the entire season about Vogel's a defensive coach. He he wants to play quote unquote like smash mouth basketball. And I think it's one of the reasons why it's it's one of them among a litany of reasons that that I think that he's discussed Drummond as this key piece and one of the reasons why he is spoon feeding him minutes during this stretch where, to be honest, we spoke about some of Trez's struggles. Right. Some of that is the fact that he's just not seeing the minutes that he would typically get. And it's because Drummond is taking 
a larger percentage of minutes than what mm-hmm. you would anticipate for a guy who was brought in on the buyout market. And I think a part of that is getting Drummond up to speed and everything else. But this idea of Drummond being able to play in to the ethos and the philosophy that Vogel wants to put forward as the winning basketball that he envisions this team trying to play during the playoffs, especially. And and the idea when the Lakers are at their best, they shrink the floor defensively. Right. And so all of those pressure schemes that you guys discuss and Pete, all of the stuff that you were talking about in terms of speed to close out and getting from point A to point B, that's all about shrinking the floor. And that means you have to play further and further out on the perimeter in order to get a viable shot or get the pass, receive a pass and then make a decision. Right. And the best teams to counter that are going to be able to punch you back in the mouth some in order to beat back that pressure and 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 negate all of that space that you're taking and take back some some of it for for themselves and the lakers have clearly built this roster on the idea that we're going to be faster than you and drummond offers i think a unique opportunity to both increase that quickness and increase some of that like physical oomph like he is not a a quote-unquote power player especially within the context of like how big his frame is but he can he can take up space he can move bodies and, and and he can make a difference there in ways that i think play into the ideas that that you guys were just talk talking about in terms of defense transitioning to offense The one thing I wanted to ask both of you about is last year, by the time the postseason rolled around, Frank Vogel had built up this equity to be able to just sit JaVale and Dwight. And we didn't really know it until it happened, how it was going to how it was going to go. And it obviously turned out great in the fact that they won and JaVale and Dwight seemed to buy in and he found ways, especially with Dwight, to use him. And I think that he's been very strategic this season in trying to keep everybody similarly engaged. The question is, once now that there are like 13 players who you could get away with starting in a game, you know, or 12, it's which is more than last year. It's more by a couple. Uh, it's it's more by a couple. How is that going to go the same way, specifically kind of with Drummond or with Harrell, right? That traditional five that might that might not be able to fit as versatilely as Keith can or as Mark can as a spacer. Five, like that's that is one question, and I I think that Vogel and LeBron and AD I think help that more than almost any other team. It helps that you're not you you know you're not necessarily trying to convince somebody to come back next year or anything like that. But it's still just it's still something that I think about as to how that could go. That's that's totally a fair a fair concern. I have it too. I suppose I will use an argument you've made to me before when I've brought up similar topics is. There's a certain degree of like, so what? A certain degree of you got to fit in here. You signed here with all of these good players. You know how good these dudes are. You know how much talent there is on this team. And when you signed here, you understood the deal to an extent. That doesn't that doesn't mean to screw the player that that shouldn't be considered. But if you're going to put together a roster with this amount of talent, if 
there is not an implicit understanding that everybody's going to have to sacrifice some of what makes them look good individually in order to accomplish team goals, then if you want to put up numbers somewhere and be an, uh, a second or third option or like you would have signed somewhere else. You had opportunities. How many guys on this team have we heard in passing in some form or another be like, I gave up more money elsewhere to be a part of this. So that is certainly something that that LeBron, AD, Vogel, and just the leadership of the team, you have to be sensitive to. It, it matters. But I would also argue that we are as well-equipped to deal with any issues that come up as anybody. And there's a certain, like, everybody knows the deal uh, with within that. Do you, are you more concerned than I am? No, I don't know if I'm more concerned... I just think that it's, it's, that's all nice, right? Like, it's great. I think that all of that is, is wonderful in theory. And I think in some examples, it's going to play out that way in practice. I also think that these guys are human beings, man. And I said this about Marcus all when they brought in Drummond and he for real went from you're our starting center to you are not going to play. Right. And Montrez Harrell went from, you're going to get you, you know, on the low end, on the low end, 18 minutes a night to the high end to like 26, 28 minutes a night. Right. To, yeah, guess what? You may play one shift this game, like in the playoffs. Like you may you, you mm-hmm. may get a second shift depending on how you play. Um, and it might be a four or five minute shift yeah, instead you, of a eight you or may nine get minute shift. ten minutes yeah. this game. And some have to sacrifice more than others, I guess. Right. So yeah, guess what? Guess who's not sacrificing, Pete? LeBron James is not sacrificing. Guess who's not sacrificing? Alex Caruso. Look, LeBron, I'm just saying, saying. LeBron, (laughs) AD, to a certain extent, KCP, Caruso, right? Kuz, potentially. I would even argue... There's credibility. I would even... Yeah. No, no, I would even argue that, that Dennis... I'll be very interested to see what asks are made of him in terms of sacrificing or not sacrificing during the playoffs because he, he has built, look, man, this dude is infected foot basically has only missed games because of the COVID protocol stuff. He bruised his tailbone a few games ago and then fell on it hard again. And basically he's been gutting through every single game because he can't afford to miss basketball games for the Lakers right now because they're without LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. Frank Volt, you don't think he's built up some, some equity based off of how he's played during this regular season, how he's carried himself, the amount of competitiveness that he has shown, right? And, and so there's going to be a lot of, all right, well, I'm giving something up, but like, I don't have to be happy. Right. It's like giving your kid peas. It's just like, oh, well, shit, peas. Like, come on, man. I don't want these peas. <laughs> My kids are so picky, man. Oh, goodness. Uh, 
Yeah, bottom line, Pete, we've talked about this with Frank Vogel too. We know he's going to default to defense. We know that much of most of the guys we just mentioned, you can count on them on defense. I think that's going to continue to be a, a, a residing principle. And Kuzma, who's been really good, like after these games, speaking about this, he said it the other day. Like he, that clicked for him. And now I think that it didn't have to click for Schroeder because he always competes his ass off on defense. And I, I think the hope is that once Drummond gets fully integrated, that part of it clicks for him too. Is that if he's out there just battling away on defense, that's going to be his best way to stick on the floor too, because they're not going to need him to run the offense like yeah. he may have at times in Detroit. And if and if he gets that, and that's that's I think the whole point of all this stuff. If these guys continue to buy into that part of it, then they feel they feel like the offense is going to work itself out, and it did last year. Now they're going to try to do it again. It's funny because so much of this discussion has revolved around Drummond, which was not necessarily our plan, but it's appropriate because we think of basketball so much in terms of the offensive end, but it's really going to be the defensive end. There's probably, this is another period of transition for us where every time we've gone from this version of the team to, oh wait, these two important guys are down. We struggle at first because we have to figure out how to play with that particular new group. And that's happened two or three times over the course of this season. This is a good transition. This is a good change, but it is going to come with a certain degree of adjustment and learning how to play a different way. And so in that context, I think the place where we really can hit the ground running is on the defensive end. Yeah. And I would also say, too, that I do hope for all the change and all of the adjusting and that's sort of what this this version of of the pod has been been about i do hope that we see some of the guys keep their their current mindset going from an offensive stand, standpoint, even though the team is getting back Anthony Davis, right? And so I think KCP is a perfect example of that. There were about two weeks ago, Vogel said that he wanted KCP to be more aggressive. And the version of KCP that we've seen since that point has been closer to the playoff version that we saw last year than I think at any point during the season beyond the first like three weeks where he was just shooting the lights out. I think Markeith Morris is another guy. I think to a certain extent, Kuz as well, right? Like these guys have to maintain their aggressiveness because it's what's going to serve the team best in the long term as well. We need we need that iron to stay sharp for these guys because during the postseason, they're going to need to make some plays too. And it cannot just default to, oh, well, we've got LeBron and AD back. It's time to sort of um, take a step back a little bit more, more. Like, no, man, step step forward because these other guys are coming, right? They're, and... and you want to move the line as far forward as possible because LeBron and AD are going and you better keep up with that. And and, and so for all of the adjusting, I do hope that there's a certain amount of aggressiveness that, that, that sort of stays with these guys be because these are good reps for them that they've gotten over the past four to six weeks without these top guys. That aggressiveness absolutely needs to be maintained. And the one guy you didn't mention who I think is probably the most fascinating within that dynamic is Talon Horton Tucker. And we're going to talk about him soon on the Laker Film Room Podcast. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by 
Clark. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Clark with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.